Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. On July the 14th, we released our 35th episode featuring Stan and Tammy Edwards. During that episode, they told us of the phenomenal story of Stan's near-death experience. Exactly two years from the day Stan was released from hospital, he crossed the finish line completing his sixth Ironman competition. We've invited Stan's family to join us for this episode because I wanted to hear directly from his sons, Zach and Logan, and his wife, Tammy, what the journey has been like going from caregivers of a dead man to the finish line supporters of an Ironman. Please welcome Stan, Tammy, Zach, and Logan Edwards to Breaking Brave. This is the most people we've ever had on Breaking Brave, and I'm so excited. So on July the 14th of this year, we released episode number 35, which featured Mr. Stan Edwards and his wife, Tammy. And we're doing chapter two of Stan's story with his two sons, Zach and Logan Edwards. So we actually have four guests which is why I said it's so exciting because we finally got so many people on Breaking Brave. It's great because what we realized when we recorded Stan the first time was perspective is really an interesting place here. So I am going to give you a little bit of context because some of the listeners may not have yet heard your episode, Stan, episode number 35 with Tammy that we released on July the 14th. So it'd be great if people want to listen to that. But maybe what I can do, Stan, is I'll throw it to you and say, first of all, welcome. And second of all, maybe give us the Coles notes of your story in terms of setting the playing field right now so everybody understands what's going on here. Well, thanks, Marilyn. And again, thanks for having us back, Tammy and I and Zach and Logan for the first time. I think we were the first guests to have two in, on the show. So now we set two, two personal records with you. So I think that's, that's really cool from my perspective, but for the audience back on August the 9th of 2020, I was out riding my bike, which I do often in training and uh, rode about seven miles from my house, topped the hill and uh, laid my bike down and dropped dead of cardiac arrest. And I was dead on the side of the road for 33 minutes. Uh, Fortunately, God provided some amazing bystanders who performed CPR for 11 minutes. And then EMTs came and shocked and did that for another 22 minutes and shocked my heart three times. And at the end of the 32 minutes, they were able to get a heartbeat um, from that and then sent me to the hospital where we spent 33 days in the hospital with a number of complications from two pneumonias to a nosebleed to a number of different things that we covered in the other podcast, seven days in rehab, and we came home 40 days later. Speechless. (laughs) Speechless. I'm going to go to Tammy. Tammy, You were the primary caregiver, as far as I understand. If you could just remind the audience, or for the audience to hear the first time, how did you find out that your husband, Stan, has now been lying by the side of the road for 33 minutes, medically dead? I found out. We had just moved in our home about 10 days prior, and I was on the way to pick up uh, a porch swing. And so I was driving back and I was thinking, we have unpacked boxes for the last 10 nights and 10 days. So we're going to cook out tonight and sit on our back deck and relax. 
So I called him just to tell him that, and um, he didn't answer the phone. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob Haggerty, who we're really good friends with now, answered the phone, and I asked to speak to Stan and said, who is this? And he said, uh, who is this? And I said, this is Stan's wife, Tammy. And he said, well, your husband has suffered a cardiac arrest and began to ask me, answer a bunch of questions. And at first, I thought it was maybe a, just a friend riding with him, and it was kind of a joke because he's the last person on earth that I would have ever expected that from. Um, but it was not a joke. And so they proceeded to just ask a bunch of different questions about his age and health. And it was total shock. And to realize that the severity of it all and to realize that um, he wasn't communicating, that they were rushing him to the hospital. I just remember that um, I kind of went into panic mode. So after I gave them all the information that they needed, I got off the phone and called Zach. Zach's in the medical field, and I called him first trying to decipher what in the world was just told to me. So I spoke to Zach um, because he's incredibly intelligent with anything medically minded and the body and so forth. And um, it was, you know, obviously just as much of a shock to him as it was to me. And then he called Logan and we all rushed to the hospital. Thank you. So, Zach, you were a doctor of physical therapy. So how did that <laughs> call go? Yeah, that was a that was a good one. It was um I think it was a Saturday or a Sunday. I had uh, spent the night at a, a friend's house. We had went and played golf, and then we had, you know, I spent the night at his house. We were just catching up. I hadn't seen him in a while. So I'd taken my time to get home, and I was just laying on the couch watching some basketball, I think, something. And Tammy called me, and I know we had just gotten done moving. I saw her name on my phone, and I was like, okay. I figured it was something that had to do with the move, and I picked it up because I was like, oh, she probably needs help, you know, unpacking boxes or something. So I picked it up, and she was she was crying, and I was like, oh, gosh. Um, and she said, your your dad had a heart attack, and I sprung up. I was like, what? And then she she was crying on the phone, and she said that dad had a heart attack, heart attack and I I just wanted to have all the information she she had, so I asked her, you know, where are they going? What had happened? And at, at that point, I don't even remember how much information we had versus information that we had gotten along the way. But I knew I had to go to the, the hospital that he was going to. And um, that was that. So I got off the phone with her and got in the car. And I called my mom because I knew I couldn't call my brother because <laughs> I, I probably would have broken down on the phone. So I um, I called my mom and said, listen, like, I'm not going to be able to call Logan. You call Logan. I got to get in the car. And she she was great from that aspect of it. Okay, thank you. All right, we're throwing to you, Logan. So you got the call from your mother. How was that received? Yeah, so I think Zach's right. I think it was a Sunday. Me and my girlfriend at the time, fiance now, we were just kind of hanging out and my mom called and I picked up and she pretty much said, you know, I, I don't really know what's going on, but apparently some guy found her dad on the side of the road and they don't really know what happened. They think it might've been a heart attack, but they don't know. She said what hospital they took him to, and it was a pretty short conversation, but I went to my fiance, and she knew immediately something was wrong, and she said, what's wrong? I was like, we got to go to the hospital, so that's what we did. Zach, how was that for you? You're staring down at your dad, and, and, and he's just had a widow maker. I mean, I assume that perhaps the doctors 
at St. Francis were able to give you some information or a little bit of information about what they assume had happened? Well, it felt like forever um, before we went back. So like um, Tammy met me at the hospital and we kind of had our room to ourselves and we were just kind of sitting there in what felt like a little like side room. So you can hear a bunch of stuff going on in the background. You're like, golly, I hope that's not, <laughs> hope that's not going on to this person we love. And we, we waited there forever, kind of talking about if fans, what happens next and that sort of thing. And I, I just remember, I remember seeing him moving because I think there was some um, confusion whether he had crashed or he had laid the bike down. So I was worried about, you know, any sort of head trauma or, or stuff like that, or what, what condition would dad be in at this point? So I was kind of happy to see him move. I was like, all right, that's, that's a good thing. Cause I was just looking for, you know, positives the whole time. Cause everything else seemed pretty bad at that point. So that was a good thing, but they said they were taking him to a, a more intense place. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a good start. He was then transferred to go into the ice therapy at Beausecor, I think hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bon yes. So, Zach, for you, your medical brain, your medical training must be kicking in at this point. Kind of, yeah. That was, I don't know if it's just like a, a protective response. I start to overanalyze everything. That way I don't have to stop myself from getting emotional about it because that certainly that happened later, but it didn't happen while I was in the hospital. But that was kind of what I was thinking the whole time from when he was at the at St. Francis to when they, they did the stint. And from what I understood, granted, I'm an outpatient orthopedics. I'm far, far removed from, you know, where they do open heart surgeries or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I had, I had just taken my boards. I knew some of the words that they were saying. So I, um, I tried to connect the dots a little bit. So from, from while I understood when you place a stent in a heart, it's a pretty cut and dry procedure. You know, I had, I had been with some patients the next day who had had that procedure and gotten him up and walking and talking and that sort of thing. So I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be great. You know, maybe it's going to be a couple of days in the hospital. And then the, when they threw in the code ice procedure, I wasn't as familiar with that. So I got on Dr. Google. I hadn't, they didn't have those in a lot of physical therapy textbooks. So I, um, that's when I started going, oh crap, I don't know what that means. Um, and then the timetable got laid out a little bit longer and a little bit longer each time we talked to the doctors. And I was like, ooh, okay, that like glimmer of optimism. Maybe that's going to be a little bit harder to find <laughs> as the situation kind of unfolded. Thank you. Tammy, um, you and the boys kind of formed the triangle team, if you will, of support and care how did that work when you knew that Stan was going to be in the hospital for quite some time? Did you figure out a schedule and rotate? I just, I wondered how that tag team caregiving worked. How did you figure that out? Obviously, in the earlier days, um, when it initially happened, that was like case in point. That's what we were focusing on. Um, I was not close to home, so... The hospital advised me to stay at the Reinhardt house, and that was a blessing because it was across the parking lot from the hospital. So I generally took the day day shift, and the uh, boys would come in in the evenings. And it was during COVID, so it was really tricky um, because 
Yeah, I think technically they weren't supposed to have visitors, but he wasn't supposed to have visitors, but one every 24 hours. Um, but we quickly, you know, developed good relationships with the staff and with with the nurses and doctors and so forth. And, you know, they approved it. So I was there during the day. The boys were there at night. It was only a few hours really at night that he was there alone because I got up early and was there the next day. So we would just send texts back and forth to each other, report to each other, you know, kind of what the day shift said, what the night shift said, and just worked through it that way. Um, And I did work by his bedside. It was unfortunately just uh, he was on a ventilator and um, it was as a matter of just kind of watching him and making sure that he was going to get the care that he needed, um, that, you know, I was deciphering the information to Zach and Zach would kind of feed it back to me in layman's terms so I could understand it. And, um, you know, the doctors and nurses were incredible. All of the specialists that, you know, worked with Stan was incredible. So um, we were blessed in that regards to have just incredible care while we were there. For the most part, it was amazing. Thank you. Logan, when you were with your dad, did you talk to him? Did you read to him? Did you (laughs) tell him about your day? Like, what did being with your father when he's in the state, what was it like? You know, looking back, I don't think I ever really realized how bad it was. It's probably a good thing. Probably helped deal with it some. But at first, you know, the first few days, you know, just kind of check on him, look at his monitors and stuff. I would talk to him a little bit, and especially when I started getting ready to go back to school for the fall semester, I'd talk to him some, and it, it never it never felt normal. Did you want to say something, Tammy? Logan, when he went back to school, um, we would FaceTime or we would do phone calls and so forth, because I know that had to be incredibly hard for him and Jordan when they went back to school and not being able to be there, you know, physically, so... I knew it would be good for Stan to hear Logan's voice. Um, Logan and his dad have an incredible connection on so many levels. And so when his dad started to come to, Logan was actually the one that got out or brought out the emotion in his dad because he was very flat when he first woke up. And um, he was talking to, to Logan and, you know, his dad definitely felt his presence. And I remember, you know, Stan started to cry and uh, it was very a very special moment. It was the first time that Stan actually showed any type of emotion when he first started to wake up. So it was very special. Amazing. Thank you. Logan, for people who are listening, because um, we do have a global audience, and I'm sure there are people out there who either have or are or might in the future be faced with a situation like this with a loved one. How did you get through it? I'm going to stick with you, Logan, before I go over to Zach, but where'd you find the bravery? Where'd you find the strength? How did you manage this emotionally? You know, it's not easy. Um, There are definitely times that I didn't quite understand what was going on. You know, above everything else, you know, this guy's, the strongest guy that I ever met. He, he says that we, you know, our presence brought him through it, but really I think it was the other way around a lot of times. Um, you know, we knew what it was capable of. It's easy to say now, but I never had a doubt. Thank you, Logan. Okay, Zach, how did you get through it? 
Now, you do have all the medical side of it, so it's got to have impacted you differently. So how did you get through this? One day at a time. Um, I had the luxury of, I had just finished, I had just graduated from PT school that May, and this was August, I guess. So I wasn't doing a lot. It was COVID, so the job market was was what it was, and I was, um, you know, helping them move and, and living at home at the time. So I had nothing but time to kind of dedicate to it, which was a blessing. But it was what I thought about every day. And, you know, you asked how I got through it. It's like, you know, I acted like I was kind of part of the team. I put the analytical side kind of forefront when I was awake. And then when I would, and like Tammy said, I was awake at night generally. I would wake up around four or five in, at, in the evening, you know, eat eat some dinner, do some job searching stuff, and then head to the hospital for, you know, a good portion of the night. And their team was so good because there was never any indication that something was going poorly. It was just that things were changing. So I think along with my mom and and stepdad, and we were such a great emotional support for me, and I can get to, into that in a second, but the, the, the team at Bon Secours was just so great because it was never like, oh, crap, this guy's you know, circling the drain for <laughs> lack of a better term, um, but he's not doing well. Things are just changing, and these are the different steps we're using to to counteract them, or these are the steps we're doing to continue to move us towards that dad waking up stage. So I was never in that really, oh, crap stage, um, and it didn't really hit me until pretty much later on. Um, in the night when I would get home and, you know, I, then I got to unpack it to my mom and, you know, me and my mom had some, some crying fits at, at you know, five o'clock in the morning, a couple times. And, you know, it was go to bed, rinse, repeat and do it again the next day. But, um, it was one day at a time and that, that team worked damn hard to keep this guy alive and, and forever thankful for them. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Stan, yeah. <laughs> it feels like you're in the room, but you're, everyone's talking about you, but you're not talking. Um, have you observed that sometimes the people who've been through the most in life, they're the most positive people on the planet? One of the things I, I love and respect about you is how everything is positive and everything is forward-focused and Life is 10% circumstances and 90% how you react. These kinds of wonderful things that you're always putting out on Instagram. You've been through a lot. I mean, a lot that I'm aware of. There could be a ton more that I'm not even aware of. But have you seen that in people that those who have gone through the toughest stuff seem to be the most positive people? Yes, I agree. And I think it's one, it's, it's the gratitude to where you ended up where you are after coming out of the storm. You got to have rain to have rainbows and that type of thing. So absolutely. And I think that one, it's appreciation and the gratitude. And I think with anything that, you know, people have a choice when you get kicked down, you have a choice of getting up or staying down. And it's all about that effort and attitude. And you and I've talked about that piece of it. It's what you're going to bring to the table. And, you know, while Logan said, I gave them strength, they were giving me, they were my eyes and my ears and my soul from every in my mind from here and gave me that energy. And I know to this day, because, you know, I don't have any memory from a week before to 26 days after the hospital. But as Logan said, and Tammy's related to and Zach, I heard them. I know I heard them and I can't remember it, but they gave me that strength. But yeah, 
I mean, we're all responsible for our own destiny. We're given circumstances, and I love that saying, 10% circumstances and 90% how you respond. Now, that 10% may seem like 100% sometime, but you've got to use the 90% piece to make that 100% that you're dealing with right now, the 10% and coming back out of it. So absolutely. With this, when coming out of this, there was no way with everything that they went through. And I'm even learning, you know, said the first podcast when Tammy was talking about it, I learned things. Now I'm learning things from Zach and Logan and even from Tammy now. And it's just eye-opening of what they went through and the strength and the bravery that they had to be, to be that piece of it. And everybody has to deal with it in their own way, whether it's the analytics, whether it's the medical side, whether it's Tammy dealing with it from a spouse perspective and best friend perspective. And it's how do you want to deal with it and how you choose to deal with it. And people are too comfortable. We all get comfortable and life begins outside your comfort zone. I don't want to get on a bunch of quotes, but it's it's you've got to... Be comfortable being uncomfortable, and then that's where all the magic happens for whatever. Exactly. Thank you. Tammy, what what were your coping mechanisms? What what was it for you? A hundred percent my faith. Um, I just knew that God was taking care of him. I prayed over him every day, reading Psalms 91, laying hands on him. I had some incredibly um supportive friends that I that was co-workers, that was best friends for 20 plus years. And um, yeah, and my family, it was just, um, you you kind of get it from everywhere. And then, you know, just making sure that I was giving him my absolute best every single day. And there was only really one really day that I got discouraged and I was, you know, a little bit on the scared side. I allowed the fear instead of faith come out. And that was the day that Dr. Ratzlaff said that, you know, he was one day away from ECMO, life support. Um, that rattled me, for sure, because we had we'd been through so much. We were, you know, 15 days in, and he was still on a ventilator and still in a induced coma, and um, that definitely rattled on me. But, um, you know, I just kept telling the doctors and the nurses, if we can just get him out the other side of this and get him awake. He will come out in full force and fight this to no end. I know he's fighting it now, but if we can get him awake, he will be a force to be reckoned with. He will so he will get through it and do what he needs to do to get well again. And he did. <laughs> he absolutely did. Zach, can I go to you? Has it changed the family dynamic? I mean, between you and your brother, your dad, Tammy, how has it changed the family dynamic? That's a very good question. Um, I think it's made us put everything in perspective. I don't think we really sweat the small stuff anymore between us here. It's, 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 at the end of the day, I think we're all just thankful that we're all we, the, the time we get to spend going forward because we all realize kind of in the back of our minds, it's kind of bonus time. Um, you know, this wasn't time that was guaranteed. This is time that you know we kind of got got back. Um, so, you know, we have squabbles here and there, but, you know, they don't really stick maybe as long as they would have before. Or, you know, we're a lot closer in that respect because we just all have a little bit larger perspective and you know the things that seem like they're big aren't really that big i think we realized that <clears throat> we can kind of do anything as a family you know this was kind of like 
rock bottom is not the right word, but you know, we were all kind of locked down and it was COVID and this was the biggest thing in the world. And the centerpiece of your life is in the hospital while nobody wants to be in the hospital. Um, it's kind of a worst case scenario. So we, I think we all realized that individually and, and as a collective, you know, we can kind of do anything because we have a hell of a team. Thank you. I could feel that. That's amazing. So Stan, on September the 17th of this year, 2022, what went on for you? Just another day in the neighborhood, Marilyn. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm wearing the shirt that says no. No, Come I, was, on. I was I was blessed to um, have the village around me and cross the um, Ironman finish line for the sixth time in Maryland. So that was um, that was an amazing experience. Uh, I knew it was going to be amazing, and it was, I, I can't put it in words. It was just crazy good. It was just crazy. I just want to take a moment to make sure that the audience has embraced the fact that you said sixth time you have finished an Ironman. So just in case people, because I had to look it up, in case people didn't understand what an Ironman competition is, it's a 2.4-mile swim, according to Wikipedia. It's a 112-mile bicycle ride. It's a 26.22-mile run. And if you put all of that mileage together, you get a total of 140.6 miles. And this is damn near two years to the day of you being dead on the side of the road for 33 minutes. Oh, my God. Stan. Ironically, Marilyn, from a week perspective, it was the, it was two years to the day we came home. <gasps> yeah, because I remember the day that we came home, and there's a picture of me with the walker Tammy took walking down the sidewalk getting into the house. It's the same day across, two years later, across the finish line. So it was pretty phenomenal. I know you trained super. Anybody who takes on an Ironman would have to train super hard for this. But given what you've gone through and what had happened to you, were you scared? What was going through your mind, Stan? Probably going to get emotional on this one, but that day crossing the finish line in Maryland was a two-year fight, Maryland, from the time mm -hmm. I dropped dead to that came back to life. From what Tammy and Zach and Logan did for me and everybody else in this village was a continuous fight to that point. And, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to to learn to walk again was the first phase. So there was never one time that, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to try to accomplish these things, but I had no idea if I could or not. I didn't know. I knew what the floor was, no pun intended, but mm. I had no idea what the ceiling was going to be. So it was it was starting to live again and, and chip away. But yeah, there was there were things that were uncertain and there is definitely self-doubt through all of this and there's being scared as hell through all of this. But the further we got out of it, the less things got scarier because we were scared, you know, when I was, I was really scared even after getting home and using a walker to go to the bathroom and taking 20 minutes to go do it and realized, hope I didn't fall on my face. So there were so many things up front, and people think those are little things, but they were the big foundation, and we had to rebuild the foundation again to get across the Ironman, that it was this two-year fight. So, But yes, but that's the piece that I try to instill on anyone else that's going through this or in a place that they're at the bottom, and I say you can't get any lower than being dead. Um, you you got to break it down. You got to take it one day, one step at a time, and some days a rest day. And some days you just got to go like hell and you got to break it down. 
and you got to do that. And, and it's that never give up mentality because you can't. You know, we're back here for a reason, and we're going to make every effort to take the, make the best of it. I don't know how to really ask this, but how did it feel crossing that finish line, Ironman number six, after? everything you'd fought for for the last two years after essentially being dead on the side of the road for 33 minutes. Is there any way you can try and describe that for me? It made us, I think, in my humble opinion, I know it did for me and these guys here, but it made us all whole again. And you don't have to do an Ironman to be whole, but that was part of who I was. That was part of my DNA, for lack of a better term. And these guys had experienced that. And I also, for my wife, who had never, I met her, we went on our first date three days before I did number five, and she had never experienced me crossing one, so that was part of that. I wanted her to experience that, but it was euphoric. I mean, it was, it, it, but I can only say it made me whole again. It made me the person that I was and stronger than ever from not the time perspective and not how fast I was, but just made me stronger. And I think maybe it instilled some maybe confidence in these guys again that it in self doubt that. Her husband and their father was back in the game again. Totally. I totally get that. So I take it, Stan, that you had Logan. Did did you have Logan, Zach, and Tammy at a minimum there when you were? Absolutely. Cr- and also uh, Jordan, Logan's fiance, and uh, Zach's girlfriend, Hannah. Um, both of them, great support. And then two of our friends, um, Heather and Bill, were also there. And then obviously we had a number of people like yourself there in spirit with our shirts and everything. So it was phenomenal. Fantastic. So Tammy, I'm going to go to you next. What are you taking from this? Has it changed you? Has it, you know, this life experience over the last two years, what has it done for you, Tammy? This experience has definitely changed my perspective on many levels. Um, just in relationships to try really hard not to sweat the small stuff because life can happen in an instant. You know, I, he was going out for a bike ride. I was going to pick up a porch swing and life happened. And 33 days later, you know, he comes out of the hospital. So things you just would never, ever expect. Um, you know, like Logan said, he's the strongest person I've ever met in my entire life. And physically, mentally, just an incredibly positive attitude. And I, it just never in a million years would I've ever thought that that would happen. Um, perseverance is an understatement when it comes to Stan Edwards. Um, from the time he woke up to the time he started to walk and you know, take walks up the driveway. Then he took his first three-mile run, and it just progressed. You know, one thing led to the other, and he was incredible, an absolute beast when it came to training. And I can't sit here and say that there weren't times when I thought, man, I really wish he didn't have to do this to be whole again, but I knew he needed to do it to be whole again because it was important to him. So therefore it was important to me. So it was an incredible experience to be there, to witness it and um, to be a part of that. I'm sure a little different perspective in my sense, because I had never been to one and everybody else, you know, Zach and Logan had been to one and seen him when he was healthy. All I could think about was, you know, him getting through the day, 
but he was incredibly strong all day. And every stop, he was smiling and happy, except one. There was one, just one. He got a little overheated, and he can explain <laughs> that. But every time he stopped, he was on cloud nine and just enduring it all, loving it all, and having the time of his life. So just a big inspiration to so many people that know him. They're blessed to have him in his life. Wow. Thank you. Zach, a couple of questions. Number one, your father and his fitness and his commitment to having a healthy body and healthy mind, is this automatically something that now is going to basically be pervasive in your family? How could it not, right? Um, It's less so like we feel like we need to do it because he does it, but he makes it look so damn easy. (laughs) He inspires other people to want to do them. And I had this conversation with him and Tammy when we were sitting at lunch after the day after the um, Ironman. And it it goes back to the similar kind of thought that Logan had when he was in the hospital. We knew he was going to get better, um, just like we knew he was going to run that next marathon, Like just like we knew he was going to win that Ironman. That's just what he does. But because of the dedication and respect he gives to the process that it takes to get from his thought, and he has a lot because I was down in the basement today and he had a big poster board with all, you know, the day one to day, what was it, 265 and all the things he had to do and all the check marks he had to do to get to that Ironman finish line. It is the unbridled dedication to the process of getting from point A to point D and just being enthusiastically excited to get to B before C and D. And it just makes it everything seem so achievable, whether it's running your first half marathon, whether it's you doing an Ironman, whether it's getting into the school you wanted to get into, whether it's getting the degree, whether it's waking up on a Monday to go to your job. It's just the unbridled enthusiasm to take that next step because that next step is going to get you to that goal. And that's so achievable if you just keep doing it. And my girlfriend was so inspired watching him cross the finish line to his first marathon a year ago that she was like, I got to do it. Like, this, this is, it's just awesome. And she spent this last year, she, don't, she wasn't really a runner. You know, she's in great shape, but she didn't, she didn't run. Um, so she spent this last year going from not being a runner to being a half marathon finisher. And I was so damn proud of her because she did the exact same thing. She, she enthusiastically and emphatically took each step so that a year from then, she crossed the finish line. Just like that's because of what Stan Edwards shows us that's possible. If you can just be in, super excited about the process and get behind it, then great things are going to happen. Absolutely. And I think that's where perhaps people get stuck. They look at the end. They look at the, I'm going to complete an Ironman or I'm going to complete a half marathon. And I'm starting today I'm not a runner, but I'm going to do this. And they don't take it in the little manageable step-by-step bites that B has to come after A and C has to come after B. And that's the process. And that's the tough part. And that's the grit. Marilyn, I have a, a bunch of, I told you a bunch of quotes on my wall. I took poster. I was looking for the right banners. And I finally said, okay, screw this. I went and got the particle board and I just started writing quotes. And there's like 14 quotes. And one of them is persistently patient. And that's what people lose sight of. It's not only the grit. Is you've got to be patient to get from 
you know, in our case, walking across the floor to go to the bathroom one day and walking down the driveway, you know, a, a less than a tenth of a mile and stopping four times to going up the hill. It's part of the process, but it's trust in the process and that persistently patient that not only you need the grit, but you've got to be patient with yourself and people lose sight of that piece of it. Stan, do you think that there is a relationship between discipline and bravery? Do those things walk hand in hand in your mind, in your estimation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what people don't give them credit for is, you know, it is the discipline piece. You know what I mean? It takes 21 days to, to change a habit and, and 90 days to change a lifestyle. But yeah, absolutely. You've got to be brave to be disciplined. You've got to, <laughs> I'll say it to the die again, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's a discipline. And we talked about that a little when we got we hooked back up and we got the whole pain versus suffering and we can elaborate on that a little bit. That's one of the lessons I learned out of this last two years. But yeah, absolutely. You've got to give yourself credit for being brave, but continue to be brave so you can have the discipline to do it. Can you then elaborate for us on pain versus suffering? Because I'd I'd love to I'd love to hear you chat about that for a second. You know, all the time going through different things. There's pain because you get hurt and things hurt, et cetera. And, but then there's suffering. And pain is part of the body that you feel. And the suffering is the mind piece and what you do with that pain. And I know that I suffered. And I know that everybody on this call suffered. when, And they were suffering for me when I was laying in a coma under an ice blanket. They were the ones that were suffering and going through the pain they were experiencing and the suffering. And they dealt with it. They, they had to turn that suffering off to be as brave and as strong as they were for me so I could be here today. And I learned through this two-year process that there's, there's going to be pain in life. People are going to be a pain in your butt, and you're going to have pain to from your bodies and things like that, but you don't have to suffer with it. You, you learn how to deal with the pain and elevate it and elevate your encouragement and your discipline and your bravery, and you have to decide what you want to do with it. So... Is it that pain is a fact? Pain is a fact. Suffering is a choice. Yeah. Suffering is optional. Absolutely. That's a great shirt. (laughs) That would be a great shirt. So Stan, where do you go from here? I mean, you've just finished your sixth Ironman. Okay. But I mean, you have this, this incredible story, this incredible message, this incredible positivity to give to the world. Where, where do you go from here with that? We've got some cool things in the work. We have the ironwheel.lib website and that was set up to give back and recognize those people from the village of all these guys here to everybody that touched our village and to give back to the first responders. And January of last year, as you know, we created a fitness class that we have on Sundays at the local high school and all the we have the firefighters come. And I want to announce today that thanks to you and our last conversation that This week, we have kicked off 33 Fit. It's on the website. What we've done, we've basically created a program that is free of charge. It's on our website. It's an idea. It's a challenge. And it's basically 33 minutes for 33 days. And if you're an athlete and you're comfortable working out for 33 minutes, you do your 33 minutes for 33 days and continue on. If it's somebody new, I challenge you to take three minutes the first day Go find anything you love to do from an, from a physical perspective and do it for three minutes. And then in the next day, add three more minutes. And in 11 days, 
believe it or not, for the 11 minutes I was CPR for bystanders, you'll be at 33 minutes. And then if you continued for the next 22 days, which is the time I received the EMT assistance, you'll be at your 33 days. And I will bet you by then that in some capacity you will continue that. And so actually this Thursday, we're taking that program to all of Powhatan County is where we live. So we're taking it back to all the firefighters and first responders and their monthly meetings. And then the fire chief is actually taking it to all the government people in Powhatan County to encourage them to do it. And if all goes as well, I want to take it back to the hospitals and that type of thing. And just promoting some physical fitness to get people started and to thinking about it. It's not an Ironman. It starts with three minutes. And when you and anybody I've told that, well, I can do anything for three minutes in my own. OK, then go do it and then do it for six and then do it for nine and continue that. So thanks to you, Marilyn, we have 33 fit, and uh, I greatly appreciate that. And your your encouragement and your support led to that, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I start to feel like how the reciprocity works with you and your sons and Tammy. You know, you saved us. No, you saved me. No, and this is the way the world goes around. I, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about you and your story, and I had some time and getting on an elliptical, which was what I chose to get on, you know, oh, this is so hard. Oh, I've got to quit. Oh, I'm, you know, I thought Stan Edwards was dead by the side of the road for 33 minutes. Surely to God, I can stay on this elliptical for 33 minutes. And there was where it began. And it sticks. There's something really great about that. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I also appreciate that you're offering that great gift to the world because I think people will really respond so positively. It starts the process that your sons have talked about in terms of the strength to go through the process and make change, which is fantastic. So Tammy, if you had one thing that you could say to the world right now, what would it be? Hold your loved ones tight. And love them like there's no tomorrow, because you honestly don't know that it will be. I feel incredibly blessed every single day that we got that second chance and that we could come out the other side of it. And um, I thank the good Lord every day for that. And it makes our love a little bit sweeter. You know, it's not to say that we still don't have issues. Everybody has issues. But to have the perspective of what we endured and what we went through and almost Almost losing him gives a whole new light to life and just what we give to the world and how precious it is. Thank you. So it's ironwill.live, ironwill.live. If people want to take the 33 challenge or they want to connect with you, Stan or Tammy or Zach or Logan, the family. These people here, from my amazing wife to my amazing sons, of what they did to give me the energy to bring me back, I can never, ever repay that. And I want them to know how much I love them and whether that makes the podcast or not. doesn't matter. I want them to hear that. And everybody else that supported them that's listening to this, that you played a role, and thank you, because it takes a village to do anything in life, and this was proof of that. And I don't want anyone to ever think, you know, you can be tried and tested, and I'd hate for anyone to go through this. I know how we've come out on the other side, but if you're going through something, keep fighting and fighting like hell. And uh, I think it was Logan that said this. <laughs> it was either right after we finished the Iron Man or when we got back to the house, he said, Dad, you set the damn bar pretty high. And uh, we laughed over it, but 
in reality, it, you don't have to do an Ironman. You don't have to do a marathon. But what I do challenge everybody to do is raise your own bar. Get comfortable being uncomfortable and raise your bar. And that's the main thing. And just never give up. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn Barefoot. That's it for today. See you next time.